0: Hi, everybody. This is Jeremy. My wife, Candice, and I are the pastors at the Ridge Assembly at Park Hill. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message connects with you, that inspires you, reveals God's word of truth in your life. Be encouraged and enjoy the message. All right, guys. Well, you know what? Last week we started talking about leaving Egypt. We started that series, and we're just going to look at just a few short a few short weeks of. The Exodus, right? And the Exodus is huge. I, I, could, I could spend really months going through all the incredible things that God did for the children of Israel as they were leaving Egypt and going into the Promised Land. But we're going to take just a, a few short weeks to look at, at some of that snippet. The, the Exodus is a pivotal point in Israel's history. Right after they crossed the Red Sea in, in Exodus chapter number 15, Moses records this song that he sang a saying of praise uh, that that would be ensured that the people would pass down the tradition of what happened at the Exodus through the oral tradition, through song, even before he wrote down uh, the Pentateuch, even before the beginnings of the Bible were written. Moses' song ensured that the children of Israel would continue to praise God for what he did in the Exodus. The psalmist looked back, on the triumph of the Exodus and, and recorded it, as it was a time to praise. And so many of the Psalms, 33, 47, 66, 95, 135, 136, it appears all through the Bible. It is, it is a pivotal moment in Israel's history. And it causes us to praise even now. Like like almost a thousand generations later, because we're, we're, I mean, it's, it's been a long, long time. The Exodus, no one really knows when it happened, but most experts put it between 1400 and 1500 B.C. And so here we are, 2,000 years on the other side of that, and we're still singing songs about it. We're still praising God for what he did, and we still see ourselves in the reflection, spiritually, metaphorically, uh, we still see ourselves passing through the Red Sea and being taken into the promised land. So what God did for them back then gives us hope today, even especially as we look forward to the Lord's return. We see that what's happening in, in our world, what's happening in our church, what's happening to us individually is, is an exodus of sort. For a long time, as we talked about this last week, that we've been very comfortable. We, the church, have been very comfortable living in a foreign land. Now, we say that this world is not our own. We say that we're pilgrims, that we're sojourners, that, that we're just traveling through. But, but the truth is that we've become accustomed to the society that we live in, to the world that we live in. We've been preoccupied to living in the world, maybe not of the world, but we've become preoccupied to be living in the world. Again, not for the world. And what I'm talking about, not necessarily sinful, but becoming slaves to the world system. And the church became dependent upon the conservative politicians and government policies and popular culture, right? And marginalized the power of God and, and all of those things. But the Lord is leading us out. The Lord is leading us in an exodus to get the church out from depending on the, the, the world's ways and once again igniting in us the power of god the people individually uh, individuals have become dependent upon the world's sustenance and substances in our jobs in our relationships and our status we, we always remember that that god is we look at what god is flowing through and we see the spigot and we forget the source and individually we, we we forget that it's from God that all the blessings are flowing. We're caught in the turmoil between wanting to, to live free and then, and then wanting to, to be comfortable. Because at some level, captivity is comfortable. At some level, the, the church operating in the world system is comfortable. Right? It's easy to go along with pop culture. At some level, uh, us individually living in the world is very comfortable. Again, most things uh, not sinful, but it's so easy to, be, to, to get caught up in looking at, at what this world has to offer in terms of, in terms of finances and relationships and, and comfort, all of those things. It's so easy to look there and to not be free operating to the power of the Holy Spirit. Our exodus, guys, the church is becoming free so that we can display the wonders of our God. Our exodus, people are laying down dependencies in the flesh and picking up the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I hear in these last days the Lord saying, let my people go so that they may worship me. Last week, guys, we talked about what happens when Pharaoh changes his mind. Right? What, what happens when the things that we've been delivered from decide that they want us back? What happens when society decides that they want the wealth of the church and the joy of the church? They want our gifts, but without our God, what happens? What happens when, when our flesh and our addictions return to us and, and just and want us back so that it has to be appeased? And in the Lord, in the end, what we said last week is the Lord will make a way. And those that bring in captivity must be cut off. This week, guys, another flip-flop from the Exodus, right? Another flip-flop from the Exodus narrative. Last week, it was Pharaoh that changed his mind. This week, I'm going to look at what happens when Israel changed their minds. what happens when Israel changes their mind and they want to go back to Egypt rather than pushing into the promise? Last week, we saw a hint of this as we were reading through our text Last week, remember the, the children of Israel, they go to the edge of the Red Sea and they see the Egyptian army coming after them because Pharaoh had changed their mind. And, and they ask Moses, saying, "What? I don't understand, were there not graves in Egypt? Why couldn't we have just died there? Why did you have to bring us out here? And we start seeing them beginning to change their mind, beginning to complain. And literally... On the brink of the greatest miracle, the, the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea, literally on the brink of what people would sing about for thousands of generations. They got scared and they wanted to go back. Literally on the brink. And unfortunately, it was only a foreshadowing of the complaining that would come as Israel continued to change their mind about wanting to live free. They'd rather take the, the familiar of slavery over the promise of freedom, because it was comfortable in the moment. Let's look at a couple of different examples here. Again, this is just right after the Exodus. Uh, we're just taking a real uh, real quick snapshot. We'll read from Exodus chapter number 15 this morning and 16, two, two different passages that have the same theme. Exodus number uh, chapter 15, beginning in verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Surah, and they... And they were there three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter, for the name of it was called Mara. Mara means bitter. Right? And the people complained against Moses saying, "Well, what shall we drink?" And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he cast it into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. Incredible miracle right it goes from salt water to fresh water it goes from something you couldn't drink to something you could drink it was incredible god had a plan all the time god had them in the palm of his hand but we see the israelites complaining it continues exodus 16 verse 1 this is right after that right they journeyed uh, from elam and the congregation of the children of israel came to the wilderness of sin which is between elam and sinai on the 15th Day of the second month after they departed the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, "Oh that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full! For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger." Skipping to verse eleven, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, "I've heard the complaints." Of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Ladies and gentlemen, not only did Pharaoh change his mind, but Israel changed their minds also. Israel decided that their dependence was comfortable and that it wasn't so bad to be a slave in Egypt, because back in Egypt, (laughs) <laughs> Back in Egypt, we, we, we sat around, we, we had plenty to eat, we had plenty to drink. People were taking care of us. And I missed those days, the good old days. And the people began to complain against the Lord and against Moses and Aaron. And this theme of complaint eventually cost them the promise. The word complain appears a whole lot in the book of Exodus Matter of fact, every time that, that Israel is opening their mouths, they're just complaining. A complaining spirit ruled them. And when I'm saying complaining spirit, it's not like a complaining demon spirit. like Ooh, right? but, but it's just an, it's an attitude. It's, it's an outlook. It's more than a feeling. It goes down to the core of the person. The core of their persons had this complaining spirit. And separations aren't easy, and transitions are absolutely hard, and we know that freedom is absolutely not free. But as they began to live out the transition between Egypt and Canaan, they found themselves looking more backwards than forward, and they let this complaining spirit rob them of all of God's blessings. They couldn't see the the miracles that he was performing time and time again. They couldn't look at the blessings and how it was flowing. They couldn't even look forward to the promise. They just complained. They let that rob them of what God wanted to do. So this morning, ladies and gentlemen, I 100% believe that the church, the church is in an exodus. Through through this COVID thing, Now I don't think God caused it, but I absolutely believe that God used it or is using it. And through all this, there's a shift, even in the church world, between policies and programs and personalities onto the power of God. There's a shift in that. There's, the, there's a change in the way we do church. The, the Lord is bringing the church away from the world. Individually, people that have struggled so long with, with wanting to be tied to the world, those people are bring, being brought out. God is delivering His children. But in the midst of it, in the midst of our exodus, we must not change our minds, and we must not let a complaining spirit rob us, of God's blessing. A couple things about complaining spirits, and then we'll head to brunch. First, complaining spirits are born from disappointment. Complaining spirits are born from disappointment. So here's the thing. A a complaint is conceived when reality doesn't match our expectation. And for Israel, I don't know what they expected, but they certainly didn't expect the desert. They'd been in Egypt, they'd been slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years, and they didn't get out much. They didn't know geography, they didn't have Google Earth. Right? So maybe they thought that as soon as they got to the other side of the Red Sea, that bam, they were going to be in Canaan. Yeah, I, I don't know what they knew of the road or the path, but what they didn't expect, for whatever reason, they didn't expect the desert. They expected to get somewhere a lot faster than they were. And for us, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what we expected, but 2020 wasn't it. <laughs> nobody saw this coming. No, nobody, nobody saw. And and our expectations for the year have not matched our reality. So if we're not careful, we're going to become disappoint, disappointed. Our faith is going to be shaken, and our complaints are going to start rolling. It gets in this vicious cycle where we're we're complaining. We start speaking out death. And suddenly our faith is shaken to the course. We've got to combat disappointment. And by combating disappointment, I don't mean abandoning expectations. Right? I'm just saying that we need to live in a mixture of logic and faith. Some people confuse wishful thinking with faith. And that's not the case. So so, so faith is based on something. Right. Faith is based on a promise. The Bible says that, that faith is evidence. Right. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is a thing. Right? It's not wishful thinking. And if God has given you a promise without details, expect that the logical path is the one that you're going to have to take. So so God said, I'm going to take you out of Egypt and I'm going to put you into the promised land. And they wishfully thought that as soon as they got to the other side of the Red Sea, that boom, they would be there. They'd be in the land of Canaan. They'd be in the land flowing with milk and honey. But the logical path is that sometimes it takes a minute. And unless God tells you, hey, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it quick, unless God lays down some timelines for you, which, by the way, most of the time he doesn't, Most of the time, he leaves out the middle, the details. (laughs) He'll show you where you're going, and then you have to walk by faith every step of the way to get to where you're going. Every step is a step of faith, and that's the way it happens most of the time. But if we're not careful, right, we we start living in wishful thinking, like, okay, well, God said we're going over here. God said we're going to live in freedom. And I just expect that as soon as I walk out of this season, I'm automatically going to be in the next, and we ignore the transition period. But the truth is, unless God gives you some specific details, some specific timelines, just anticipate that there's going to be a process involved. There's going to be a logical path. That there may be some time between jobs. Certain people have, have lost their jobs. And I'm fully convinced, fully convinced that the people of God are going to prosper through this. That the jobs that, that Christians get are going to be better. That the businesses that Christians own are going to be the best. Why? Because God is going to fund a revival that's going to go around the world. I'm fully convinced of that. But sometimes there's a process between the time that the old well dried up and the time you're able to move into your new position. And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes you got to wait on the government to figure out how to get the unemployment right. Right? Sometimes you've got to you've got to trust God for provision for every step. Sometimes we got to understand that maybe it's not logical that you move from one season to the next unless God has promised it. Sometimes there's a process, and if we set our expectations that we're going to go from one to the other, we find ourselves set for being for complaining. You know, Leah had a great idea a couple years ago to do the spin studio, right? So. So we opened this, Man, I mean, I was so excited about it. Like we, we, were, we were into it. Like Caleb and I, we would just egg each other on, you know, we were buying these bikes and we got the room set up and we did all these things. We advertised like crazy and, and blah, blah, blah. And you know, the first day, zero people came, like not even a person, like zero goose egg. I mean, we opened like 5 a.m. one Monday morning and we're like, yes, we're here. And no one's here. Why? Because it takes time, right? We've been at it for a year. We've got a steady flow of people. Things are looking up, but we're still not where we're going to go because it takes time. And so I, knew, I know where we're going, but we're not there yet. We look at opening this church. We started this church in February. Something bad happened in March, right? COVID smashed everything. We started this church with the 30 days of the T minus prayer. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. Right? But we prayed over, over so many things. And I'm telling you guys, that's still out there. Truly, I I believe that that we're going to have a big band. I believe that we're going to have a a big multicultural, interracial, all kinds of people in this building. I believe that. I believe we're going to have a big presence here. I believe that drug addicts are going to get saved. I believe that prodigals are going to come home. I believe that we're going to have to build a bigger sanctuary here or some other property. I believe that we're going to have a special needs ministry. We're going to have an after-school program. I believe these things. We prayed for these things. It's not here yet. And if we thought that that we were going to open our doors in the first Sunday morning, we were going to have a thousand people here, then we would have been significantly disappointed. There's a process involved, and it's not logical to think that we're going to go from one step to the next automatically. And since God didn't say, hey, I'm going to do this next week, then, then, then it's for us to say, okay, little by little. Unless God gives a promise that with, with some clear timelines, assume it's going to be little by little. It's going to be a process. So we set our expectations in line. It's going to take a little while. you know. People get in such a hurry for, for relationships. God gives them a promise that there's going to br- you know, they're going to bring in some significant other. So then you just get in such a hurry. But unless God gives you a timeline, assume it's going to take a minute. And you can't be disappointed when it, when, when it, when it tarries a little while. So many people, you know, even, even like being delivered from, from different drugs and alcohol, the detox, the detox process, I've seen it both ways. I've seen people lay down their cigarettes on the altar and get up and never touch them again. I've seen that happen, and that is the power of God. But it's also the power of God when, when people lay them down, get up, and 30 minutes later, they've got a craving. And they've got, to, they've got to run back to the power of God and say, God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. And get strength to go just a little by little. And through a process, experience deliverance. Guys, we've got to balance logic and faith to avoid disappointment that leads to a complaining spirit. Guys, it, we've got to be okay with admitting that we're, we maybe sometimes don't understand all the timing and all the details behind it. But we've still got the promise the biggest example of this is Jesus' first and second coming, right? When Jesus, Jesus first came, the, the Jews were looking for the Lion of Judah. And instead it was the Lamb of God. Now we still have this promise. Jesus is still coming back as warrior king. It's still going to happen. It could happen any minute now. But it didn't happen along. It didn't happen when he was born in Bethlehem. The promise was still there. You just got to. <laughs> set our expectations but don't give up here's the thing Habakkuk 2 3 says for the vision is for an appointed time but at the end it will speak and not lie though it tarries wait for it because it will surely come it will not tarry even though it seems like it's taking forever uh, even though we've got to walk day by day uh, faith by faith even though it's not what we had anticipated we're going to set here's the thing Complaining spirits are born like when you're on the way to Hawaii, and then you find yourself in Atlanta. Nothing against Atlanta, right? But Atlanta is not Hawaii. No volcanoes, no beach, no ocean, right? Atlanta. We get stuck when we assume that we would get in a plane in Little Rock and and get off the plane in Maui, that's not the way it happens. You've got to have some connections. You got to go through a hub, and you got to realize that in Atlanta you're not at your destination. You're just changing vehicles to get to where you've got to go, and, and so, so that is the key to maintaining a proper perspective on things and not complaining understanding that where you are is just you're just passing through and with the promise of God your destination is still where you're going secondly complainers abort faith complainers abort faith See so here's the thing Israel eventually complained their way out of receiving the promised land they whined all the way across the desert and when they finally got to the promised land all they could see was the giants When they finally got to where they're going, they couldn't even see the grapes. They couldn't see the fruit. They could only see what they've been complaining about time and time again. Oh, I don't have any water. I don't have any meat. I don't have any bread. I don't have this. I don't have that. They complained all the way across the desert. And when they got there, they only saw what they could complain about. Because along the way, they had developed a poverty mentality that they would only focus on lack rather than the miraculous. They focused on the fact that they, they didn't have a stream and ignored the fact that water is coming out of a rock. That's cool. They, they, they focused on the fact that they didn't have an Old Navy or a Target or even a Walmart. And they ignored the fact that their shoes were growing with the kids. That's cool. Their clothes aren't wearing out. God is providing and protecting all those years in the wilderness. And they just they don't even see that. They only focus on lack, because that is the way of a poverty mentality, and the poverty mentality is the way of a complaining spirit. And then through all that, they aborted their promise. It's kind of like drinking when you're pregnant. Now, fetal alcohol syndrome, it's a thing, and I'm not, I'm not diminishing that at all. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm using that very serious thing to throw some light on what I'm talking about with this complaining spirit. Right? Just like if you drink when you're pregnant and and your baby can be deformed or die, it's the same kind of thing. Complaining is very much the same as alcohol, right? It makes you feel better for a moment. Because complaining can make you feel better for a moment, right? It makes you feel a little bit better. It's socially acceptable. But that thing that's growing inside of you that God is wanting to form and eventually birth through you, it, it kills that thing. It deforms that thing. The, the complaining spirit, what you're spewing out of your mouth, is getting into your heart and it is, it is, it is deforming what God has planned for you. Deformers, or I'm sorry, complainers exalt the past, begrudge the present, minimize the future, and that is a faith killer. Complainers are always exalting the past, right? Israel, remember that? they said, hey, how, how great it was when we sat around in Egypt, around all those pots of meat. They forgot that they were making bricks without straw. And they forgot that the pots of meat were really just potted meat. And you shouldn't eat that ever. <laughs> but they looked back and said, remember how great it was. Remember how great the past was. And we get caught in the same things. Remember how great it was when we were in a relationship with that person. Not remembering how they treated us or how they spoke to us or how they remember how great it was? Back in the day, right? remember how great it was when we had that job and, and we had all this money and all this clout and we forgot that we were working like a dog and that we were stressed out and we are always yelling at our family because we are so stressed at work. Remember how great it was in the, the good old days of the church? Remember the good old days of the church? You know, when you'd come in you'd dance around you'd sing all night and, and all that and, and it wasn't that great or more people would have got saved. <laughs> And generations maybe wouldn't have been lost, I don't know. Remember how great it was back then? Remember how great it was in the past? Complainers always just exalt the past. Complainers always begrudge the present. And Begrudge is not a common word, but I use it on purpose because it means to, be res- to resent because of envy, because of what someone else has or what someone else is enjoying. And in this case, that someone else is where you pictured yourself by now. <laughs> You can't enjoy anything about the present because you you just you see where you should have been, where you thought you'd be by now. And you're jealous and you're envious of that. And so complainers don't even enjoy what they've got now because they're too busy looking at what they should have had. I bet those people back in Egypt, I bet they're still doing good. Man, remember when we had that? Boy, I really thought, right, I thought by now we'd be in the promised land, God. I thought by now, surely, uh, these are the kind that always say, I'm making it. When you ask how they're doing. And they fail to realize that uh, they fail to praise even in the middle of their journey to a miracle. Right? Healing sometimes happens little by little. Right? Deliverance sometimes happens little by little. Provision happens every day. Give us this day our daily bread. And in the middle of it, complainers forget the praise because they're so jealous for what they think that they should be. That they detest the present. They minimize where they are, and they surrender their joy. And the complainers minimize the future. Say, so you know what? <laughs> because they get stuck looking in the rearview mirror, they that they fail to see where they are. At Mount Sinai, the children of Israel, I'm telling you, it, it's incredible. Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments. The Book of Hebrews talks about it. They're like, it was a it was a fire that was burning. The mountain was burning with fire. There was a booming voice. The presence of God was there. They couldn't even touch the mountain. And the only thing they were doing was looking back to Egypt to create the golden calf. Because what's going to happen in the future surely couldn't be as good as what happened in the past. It'll never be as good as it was. You got people in your life that say something like that, it'll never be as good as it was. Get those people out of your life. Don't cut them off because they need Jesus. (laughs) But don't listen to them either. If you've thought that, and to be honest, let's honest, this is my honest face. We've all thought that. But in thinking that, we've got to repent. And I'm not necessarily saying that it's it is sinful, but repent just means to change your mind. And we've got to change our mind. If we're, if we're tempted to say that it's never going to be as good as it was, then repent of those things. Because this is where complaining kills faith. Complaining aborts your faith. It says what was was great, what is now I don't like, and what's, what's in the future, even if it's better than now, it's not going to be as good as it was, and that is a killer to faith. Faith says that, you know what, God is going to complete the good work that he started in me. That's faith. Faith says this from Isaiah 43, 19, it says, Behold, I'll do a new thing, says God. Now shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I don't know how God is going to do it, but faith says, I don't, know, I don't know all the details. I don't know what it's going to take between here and there. But even if it's a river in the desert that God has to create, even if it's water from a rock, even if it's quail from, from, from wherever or manna from heaven, I truly believe that God is going to make a way, and that is faith talk, that the future is bright. Joshua told the people in Joshua 3, 5, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible says, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord is going to do something incredible. Amazing things among you. Tomorrow. The best is really yet to come. And if we lose sight of the power of God's promise because of our complaints, our faith, Dies. You can't have faith in the future and still complain about the present. Your complaints are evidence that you honestly don't think things are going to get better because complaining kills faith. Last but not least, and we'll cruise through this one. Complainers develop a rebellious spirit. Complainers develop a rebellious spirit. And this is where things go from just you not living your best life to really, really starting to edge into something you don't want to go into. Because when I said that complaining is a spirit, okay, complaining is, is like an attitude. It's an outlook. It, it becomes part of your personality, and you've got to avoid that. But rebellion, rebellion actually has a spiritual component. The Bible says that, the, that uh, witchcraft and rebellion are related. Right? It says that the sin of rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. That's what the Bible says. And the truth is, so humans look for someone to complain or to complain about. And then when they're complaining, humans look for someone to blame for what they're complaining about. Right. This is just it's kind of it's the it's the natural progression. Right. Step one. I don't like my hamburger. Step two. Who can I blame? Because this isn't right. Right. I ordered it without onions and I got onions, which, by the way, is like a cardinal sin. It's horrible. (laughs) Or I did this. And so the children of Israel, if, if we, read, we read it earlier in, in Exodus 15, they were complaining in Exodus 16, they were complaining against Moses and Aaron. You see the progression. At one time, they're just complaining. At the next time, they're, they're complaining against the leaders because humans are looking for someone to blame. And the children of Israel, most of them were just along for the ride, right? Moses is the one that heard from God. And so when they start complaining, they start looking for someone to blame, and they're like, well, here's this guy, here's Moses, and he says that he's heard a voice of God, but I haven't seen it. I didn't see the bush. I didn't experience the presence of God. How do I know to trust this guy anyway? And enter the rebellious spirit. Complainers develop a a rebellious spirit, and this becomes serious very quickly because rebellion spreads. Rebellion spreads like a cancer because once it gets in you, then you start you you start you're complaining about your job, and then you start your rebellion against your boss, but it's not satisfied. Next thing you know, it's rebellion against parents or or, or teachers or a government. It just continues to spread because it's a disease that gets in you. It is a spiritual thing. Rebellion. Uh, it sears your spirit, man, from being able to hear God's instructions. God is not going to bless the rebellious. And when we enter in that, when we, when we entertain that spirit in us, suddenly we can't even hear the instructions that God is giving us. And so we get in this, this downward spiral of, of, of we know that we're supposed to be somewhere else. We don't know how to get there. And now we can't even hear the instructions to get out. And we're trapped. Rebellion blocks us from blessings. God will not bless rebellion. He will not. He cannot bless sin. He will not. And so here we see the progression from complaining to killing our faith, aborting our future, and even being disconnected from the power of the Holy Spirit and from the fellowship of God because of rebellious spirit that we harbor in our hearts. And we saw this in Israel as they left Egypt. And if we're not careful, we're going to see this in the church as we're making this transition. Because right now the whole church, our whole country is in a transition period. But the church is in a transition where the way we did things is not the way we're going to have to do things. Us individually, the transitions that we're making, the things we did rely on is not what we're going to have to rely on in the future. Right? We're making a transition. And in that, if we get a complaining spirit and we start speaking that death, it's going to cut us off from where God has us going. And God has great things in store for us. I'm 100% convinced. This is absolutely not the way that I thought this year would go. This is absolutely not the way that I thought that this church launch would go. But I'm still convinced that the promises of God, that the plan of God, will come to pass even if the path that we're asked to take is not always straight not always easy thank you guys so much for being here this morning thank you so much for listening to our podcast today we invite you to be part of our online community by subscribing to this podcast also follow us on social media at the ridge assembly ph on facebook and instagram if you live in the central arkansas area we certainly invite you to be part of our live community you can join us sunday mornings at ten thirty a.m at the old park hill elementary building that's at 3801 jfk boulevard in north little rock thank you so much and we'll see you next time